0: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Younger Old Man Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, and this week I'm going to be talking about mostly a maintenance weekend in my neck of the woods. Um, the weekend actually started out early. I generally get off early on Fridays. Uh, as long as you have 40 hours in for the week, it doesn't really matter what time you leave on a Friday. I generally work 410, so that way I can take advantage of whatever I want to do on Friday. I usually work a few hours in the morning anyway, um, and then maybe do a couple personal projects and head out, Uh, but this week I headed into the woods pretty shortly after work so that I could indeed pick a tree to where I would be putting my tree stand for archery season coming up on Saturday, Uh, which is a really exciting thing, but is also kind of a terrifying thing because I'm not a person who really puts out cameras and does the whole nine yards. Um with the whole uh, kind of the, the way people hunt here in Pennsylvania um I started hunting really only maybe 2 years ago uh my first time really hunting was once in Colorado with my brother-in-law uh he had an elk tag um and it was a rifle elk tag actually um and the style of hunting in Colorado if you know if you're unfamiliar with it is uh kind of spot and stalk hunting meaning that you're not really staying in one place for a long long time um you kind of sit you look for game um and then based on whether you see game or not you move closer to the game if you see it uh and or you know or plan some sort of plan of attack um and if you don't see anything obviously keep looking uh so you move around you're on the ground you're moving around that kind of thing um in Pennsylvania and much of the northeast uh just due to the fact that white-tailed deer are extremely leery of any sound or movement in the woods uh whereas in my opinion mule deer and elk are um not necessarily the brightest in comparison to white-tailed deer um but also just based on the fact that uh the northeast doesn't have anywhere near as much public land uh, as, uh, you know, tracts of land in the West, there's still plenty of public land around here. I really, I, I can't complain. There's plenty of it, um, within probably 20 minutes of my house. Um, but just, just the way things kind of go with that, uh, you end up sitting in a tree stand, uh, cause it's the more effective way of hunting whitetail deer. Um, and once again, just kind of the, the land issue there. So anyway, I found a tree, Uh, that I think will be good enough to kind of hunt this area that I've been looking at. I actually originally went um, scouting in this spot with my three-year-old, who said that she was keeping an eye out for dinosaurs and bears. So she kept us safe from dinosaurs and bears uh, that whole time. Um, And when I went in the woods to look for a tree in that general area this, this past Friday... Uh, I was lucky that there were no dinosaurs or bears around, uh, cause it would have been really nice to have my daughter's help. Anyway, so I found my tree, uh, have a good feeling about it. If not, I mean, um, it's still early in the season. I mean, the opener is, uh, Saturday and usually I don't really find it to be the best hunting until a few weeks from now. Um, it's not a complaint. It's just kind of how it seems to go here. Um, so it'll be really exciting to just get out and see what's moving around in that general area. Um, there's, uh, a a friend of mine has had some, uh, game cameras out in an area not too far from there. And he's, um, had some good results with pictures of bucks and things like that. Uh, so it's pretty exciting. Um, but for me personally trying to be like, okay, well, this is going to be the tree. This is going to be the one that at five in the morning, I'm going to wander around in the dark and climb up with, uh, you know, climb up with my bow and hope something happens, is always a little like uh, nerve wracking to me because it's like, you know, I'm going to get up there and chances are I'm going to see deer and go, that would have been the tree right over there, 50 yards that way. <laughs> uh, but it's just kind of the way that that goes. Uh, so very excited to get going on archery season on Saturday. Uh feel pretty good about the tree I'll be in. Um, and I'll keep you guys updated as we go, uh, with hunting this year. Uh, quick note, I probably, am actually not going to do any rifle hunting this year. Just trying to help my wife out a little bit more, um, since we have a six month old at home. So there's two kids at home instead of one, like there was last year. Uh, so it's, it's just a lot more helpful. And for me, bow hunting is a lot more exciting than rifle hunting. There's a lot less people, people in the woods. Um, and I, I don't know, you just, you just get to experience the woods in a different way is kind of the way I find it. Uh, I also just really like shooting my bow anyway. So any, any excuse to be walking around with my bow is exciting to me. Uh, you know, maybe brings out the little kid in me. It's like, Oh, I'm going into the woods with my bow. Woohoo. Anyway. So then on Saturday, um, Saturday was a day of cleansing, if you will. Uh, Saturday we took my, three-year-old to my in-laws so that we could go through all of her toys and kind of see which toys she actually likes, which she doesn't, that kind of thing. So Saturday was mostly um, just kind of a chore day, mowing the lawn, uh, taking care of my daughter's toys, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it was just kind of a nice reminder, like when when you're cleaning things out, whether it's, you know, your children's things that are like, do you really use this anymore? Um, it kind of is a nice reminder to yourself of like, uh, what are you doing with your stuff, uh, resetting your mindset. And also, especially now, uh, with last Wednesday being the first day of fall, happy fall, everyone. Um, it's a nice time to kind of go through everything mentally, uh, maybe physically around you if you have a bunch of stuff and just kind of go out with the old in with the new kind of thing. Um, everybody always talks about spring cleaning, but I honestly find that I get rid of more stuff in fall probably because it's like in springtime I'm ready to go outside go to the garden um spend all my time outside in the fall I still get outside a good bit but it's just you know it's nice to be inside cooped up with a nice loaf of pumpkin bread and a movie uh that's normally what I like to do in the fall anyway um then you can really tell it's starting to be fall around here um, you know, it's like in the fifties in the morning, which isn't cold, but is chilly compared to what you're used to. It doesn't really get over 80 anymore, which is nice. Uh, so I'm enjoy- enjoying the beautiful, cool weather, uh, taking it all in before it shifts to winter and is miserable for, you know, the foreseeable future. Uh, that was a big hesitation of mine in moving back to Pennsylvania from Colorado was the fact that the winters here just really suck. <laughs> it's humid, it's damp, it's cold. Uh the wind blows sideways in this valley I live because it, it it's what it does in a valley. I joked one time about um valley simply just meaning wind tunnel in Dutch. because uh, around me there's there's tons of Amish people and they speak, you know, Dutch or German or some, some sort of mix of the two and yeah, so I I just always refer to this valley as the wind tunnel. Uh, so very excited to experience the wind tunnel effect of, uh, of winter. So anyway, cleaning things out. Um, so we ended up cleaning out a bunch of stuff of our own. We were getting rid of a bunch of books and all the other kind of stuff. So it was really nice, really productive Saturday. Uh, my daughter came home and she, for a second was like, where are all my toys? And then moved right on and was... Just excited to, you know, be home, hang out, and all that good stuff. And uh, she really didn't seem to notice all the other toys. And the nice thing for my wife and I was like, hey, you don't take forever to clean up your toys because you don't have as many. Um, So that was really exciting for us. And then Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday uh, was a day of dealing with the chicken coop. I don't know why a chicken coop always turns into a Sunday project. Um... Sundays, for some reason, are kind of like, hey, all this other stuff that you wanted to get done that you didn't get done this weekend because you were too busy doing these other things in your head. Um, that's what Sunday is for. Uh, so Sunday was cleaning out the chicken coop, um, which was, a l- I- it was very long overdue, but it was also quite entertaining to me. Um, to give you a little background on my chickens, uh, I have six chickens. Um, all of them... No, I shouldn't say that five out of the six of them, uh, hatched this year. Um, and the other one I think is a year or two old. Uh, the oldest one is a, I believe they call it a leghorn chicken. So the only white chicken we have, um, the only chicken we have with a name called marshmallow. Um, and then we have four Rhode Island reds and one Easter Egger. Why did I choose these kinds of chickens? Uh, because that's what the Amish had when I went to go get chickens this year. That is it. Uh, which was a really entertaining, ex- well, I don't know if entertaining is the right word, but, um, quite an experience getting the, these chickens, they were pullets at the time, getting these pullets from the Amish, um, because they were butchering pullets the same day they were like selling them. So, I mean, they were trying to get rid of all these, all these pullets that they didn't need. So they, you know, they, um, they raised chicks from eggs and then, you know, they turn into pullets. Um, and then they have a bunch that they intend to sell and then they have a bunch that they intend to eat. Um, and so they had way more leftover than they really wanted to, of how many chickens, you know, they were trying to sell all these chickens. And apparently, uh, there weren't that many left, but there were quite a few left over at the same time. They, they were just trying to get rid of them. Um, so it was really interesting because as I walk, you know, I, I pull up and there's probably this eight year old Amish boy that walks up to me and you know, he's, he's very quizzical, by the way, the Amish, they, they don't, for people who aren't familiar, they don't really have social skills like you would It's not surprising. I mean, they interact with the public on a regular basis, but they just, there's just social cues they don't know or don't understand. It makes sense. You're not around it all the time. Um, But they tend to just stare at you. Uh, And in my case, I have long hair um, and gauges. So here's this weird dude with long hair and gauges and just shows up and is speaking in English like, hey, uh, I was hoping to buy some of your chickens, you know, some of your pullets. And the kid just stares at me for a second. And then he realizes what's going on. Um, By the way, his hands are bloody and he's holding a knife um, because they're butchering chickens that morning. (laughs) So I walk over and they're, you know, as I'm waiting for them to round up a few chickens for me to take home uh, from their, from their hen house, pretty much they have, you know, the cones set up from where they, for where they butcher chickens. For those of you who are not familiar, one of the methods to butcher chickens is, I'll try and keep this discreet for anyone who's squeamish. Basically you put a chicken in a traffic cone upside down. Um, and then you, I think you can figure out the rest from there. Um, I personally have done this method. I think it's the best method to do it. It's also the only method I've ever done it, but it seems to be very effective. Uh, cause you know, that phrase chicken with your head chopped off running around kind of thing. Um, that is a very real thing. Um, <laughs> they, their bodies really do anyway. Yeah. Their bodies go around like crazy after, uh, after that event takes place. Um, so they're doing this butchering process right next to the hen house, which of course, cause they're just rounding up the chickens. And so they've been doing this for a while. You can tell based on how many chickens are laying there that, uh, are no longer walking around, if you will. Um, and so there's these three little Amish kids. There's two boys probably around, like I said, ages, six and nine or eight, somewhere around there. And then there's a little girl who's maybe like five. They run into the hen house that you can hear them like chasing these chickens around all over the place. Um, which I mean, I can't imagine if you're the chicken, like terrified for your life. These little boys have been coming in and like, you can tell what's going outside going on outside the whole time, you're, like running for your life. No, 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 it's not going to be me. Um, and they round up these chickens and you know, I, I have these, uh, little homemade crates, it's really just a milk crate with plywood on top, um, <laughs> and I'm putting, you know, I'm putting them in there. Zip tie the the plywood down to the uh, milk crate and put them in the back of my forerunner. runner um, But it, it's just a pretty hilarious thing to see these these kids like, you know, their hands are bloody. They're running around trying to catch these chickens, and these chickens are terrified. For the, I mean, chickens are gonna run away from you anyway. It's not anything new, but it's just the fact that they're like you know, so mortified that it's going to be them who's getting butchered next, and here it is, they're, you know, going to be taken away by this strange Englishman, um, that's what they call it. by the way, that's what the Amish call people who are not Amish, they call them English, Englishmen, Englishwomen, uh, what have you, um, so anyway, I get the chickens, put them in the forerunner, take them back to the house, uh, so that's the story of my chickens, but that's, that's why I have the chickens that I have, I, I tried to get, um, a couple more Easter Eggers, that's what my wife wanted, um, They're called Easter Eggers. They have uh, like a speckled, I don't know, rear end and tail. Uh, They're called Easter Eggers because they lay like this pale blue egg. They're very pretty. Um, The leghorn we have also lays a like kind of pale blue egg. And then all of our Rhode Island Reds lay uh, brown eggs. Uh, so anyway, six chickens, uh, we get probably four to six eggs per day. Just varies. Um, when it's really, really hot, they lay less when it's suddenly cold, um, they lay less. Uh, they also molt or in the winter and they don't really lay during the winter. So, uh, a lot of people just butcher their chickens, uh, during the fall, um, cause they don't want to pay to feed animals that aren't providing them anything in theory, Um, I kind of did that last year just because my hens were inherited and old. They were pretty much done laying anyway. I mean, we were getting an egg or two a day, maybe out of like seven chickens. So uh, that's why we um, butchered them and got new ones this year. Uh, But this year I'll be keeping my chickens over the winter because they're young. They're going to lay for a while yet. There's really no reason to do that. Um, You can get into like a whole ethical, what is right, wrong to do with chickens. You know, there's these other beings that are giving you eggs and you're just going to murder them when you're done with them. Um, I've heard people make that statement, which I understand. Um, but the alternative is to feed chickens that aren't providing any eggs for you, which I can understand too, at the same time, like you took advantage of getting eggs from these chickens, uh, this whole time, and then you're just going to kill them when you're done. Why don't you let them live the rest of their life? I don't know. I, am not really saying there's a right or wrong thing in there. It's just an interesting ethical question that pops up, uh, with different friends I've had. Um, I had a vegan friend who had a very interesting, uh, perspective on it. So anyway, whenever I think about my chickens, I kind of go down those rabbit holes of, uh the perspectives on the ethics of raising chickens or anything really. Um anyway, so that's how I got my chickens. So back to the story of Sunday uh cleaning out the chicken coop. So I'm cleaning out this chicken coop. For reference, this chicken coop is probably like uh maybe ten feet by six or seven feet by nine feet tall. Um that includes half of that se- half of that is sectioned off into like a run meaning that, you know, you have your kind of little chicken coop house that you normally are used to picturing and then attached to it still like, you know, built onto it, um, is this run that's fenced in from the ground all the way to the roof of the coop. So it still is under that roof. Uh, so that whole thing is probably, like I said, six or seven feet by maybe 10 feet by nine feet high. Um, and then outside of that, I have built a 20 or 22 foot, by 20 or 22 foot fence, uh, just kind of area that they can actually walk around on. Cause the, the run is just not enough room for them in my opinion. Um, I've actually had my chickens free range before, uh, with my last batch, I did that a little bit. Um, I, I had my, when I just had the Leghorn cause we got them, we got her from a friend, uh, who was moving. So we just had the Uh, the one chicken there for like a month, we let her free range as much as she wanted. The thing was, she was starting to get in all the uh, flower beds and things like that. Um, Now, during the winter, I don't really care as much. And during the winter, they can't get into our, uh, they can't get into our garden because our garden is just going to be a cover crop. I think we're probably going to do oats as a cover crop. uh, So that way we don't lose any soil, that kind of thing over the winter. Um, But I'd, I'd probably like to let them free range a little bit more uh but it's during during the growing season, you really just can't let your chickens out because they'll get into your garden um unless you have a fence around that, which is next year's project uh so anyway, I'm cleaning this chicken coop out um and i I'm cleaning the laying boxes out, so for people who don't know they there's this little section it's also where you open a hatch. Um, and you're able to get all the eggs out, but it's these little boxes the chickens lay their eggs in, so I'm cleaning these boxes out um and most of the chickens are kind of in the yard uh you know the fenced in yard uh that's surrounding the coop, but there's still two chickens that are kind of right up against the gate that I made you know for the for the fence um and for reference. It's, it's basically like two or three feet from the fence to the chicken coop in this one section. It's just how I have it built. Um, and so it's kind of narrow, so it kind of freaks the chickens out if I'm really close to them and I just stay there and I'm pulling, uh, all the junk out of the chicken coop. And so the two of them are kind of scurrying around, scurrying around. Um, and then all of a sudden the one just flies up and lands on top of the gate. Uh, this fence I have is about 48 inches. So yeah, it's four feet tall. Um, the gate is the same height, four feet tall off the ground. Um, so this chicken flies up, lands on the gate and just sits there and I'm still cleaning out the coop. I'm like, well, if I go try and get this chicken, it's certainly going to get out of the, you know, get entirely out of the coop, get entirely out of the caged in area. Um, so I just kind of let it go there. I watch, watch her. She's just, you know, sitting around, checking everything out. It's really entertaining to watch. Um, and the gate is closed and latched, but it still kind of wavers just a hair. So she's kind of going back and forth and back and forth. And I'm still cleaning these boxes out and I'm just about getting done with these boxes. Then I can go deal with this chicken that's sitting on the gate. And then she flies from the gate onto the roof of the coop itself, (laughs) And I'm like, great, this is actually really hilarious to watch, but how am I getting this chicken off the roof of the coop? Like I said, it's nine feet tall. Um, it was pretty entertaining. Because, I mean, on the one hand, if she goes to the back side of the coop, there's probably, I don't know, like 12 feet between the back of the coop and the fence. Maybe a little more, uh, probably something like that. And I'm like, well, if she lands there, it's great. I don't have to deal with it. But if she comes out the other side, then I'm going to get her back into the coop. So I get, I grabbed the broom that was, you know, something that I was using to help clean out the coop, Grab my broom. Uh, and my intention is just kind of like, you know, usher her, if you will, back into the fenced in area. So I'm starting to walk forward. Uh, I get the other chicken out of my way. I open the gate. I close the gate. The chicken is the chicken that's on the roof is still there, starting to get a little nervous. And then I just try and usher her with the broom to go back into the fenced-in area. She kind of flutters up to the very tippy top of the roof and then scurries down the other side and lands right back in the fenced-in area, which worked out perfect for me. But it was just hilarious to watch this little you know, Rhode Island red. So they're like kind of brown, brownish red, flutter up to the gate, just kind of look at me like, yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about this? And then flies under the roof, like a real boss and then flies right back into the Venston area. So that kind of made my morning. I just had to chuckle to myself a lot. Um, and it was it, it was quite entertaining, but it was also kind of like, I mean, if they get out, it's not the biggest deal in the world. Uh, the fact that my chickens can actually fly that high uh, might be surprising to some people. Most people who raise chickens clip their wings so that they can't actually fly. They just kind of like, I don't know, flutter around. Uh, I don't really have any interest in clipping their wing just because there's no issue in the chicken being outside of the in area. Like I said, I've, I'm probably going to try and free range them again now anyway. Um, and the amount of area and land that's surrounding my house and the chicken coop, uh, there's plenty of space that they're not going to really go that far. It's surrounded by fields and then a grocery store at the bottom of a hill. Um, so they're really not going to wander far. They know where their nesting box is. They know where the food is. Um, I, I don't have anything against clipping wings at all. It's just like why, why, you know, why fix what isn't broken kind of thing. Um, you know, it, it's entertaining to me too. Like the, the one time I was mowing my lawn and all of a sudden I'm like, there's a chicken in my lawn. Uh, it was the Easter egg or the Easter egg or tends to be the one that gets out. Uh, so it's, it's always kind of a hilarious thing for me. I'm um, getting chickens back into the coop. Uh, if you've ever herded cattle, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I, I, I uh, actually milked cows for a very short period of time, and it was amazing to me how similar the two are. Um, You're really just keeping a wide berth. Make sure that the gate is ready and open for them to come in while your other chickens are back inside the coop itself so they can't get out while you're trying to get the other one in. Um, If you chase it around, um, they are faster than you and wilier than you, uh, surprisingly. It's really entertaining, though. The one time last year my wife and I were trying to get chickens back into the fenced-in area, and actually, my, my three-year-old was also trying to help. So there's just the three of us running after these, like, four chickens trying to get them in the defense scenario. It's pretty hilarious. So uh, that was that was the uh, chicken run incident of my Sunday. Uh, gave me a nice chuckle and uh, gave me a nice story to tell my wife because she wasn't even watching at the time. Uh, and then the rest of the Sunday was just kind of uh, kind of a brood session for me. I was able to actually smoke my pipe. Uh, yes, it's pipe tobacco, is is in a reference to smoking weed. Um, I was just able to sit there on the porch, smoke my pipe tobacco, relax, have a nice brood, enjoy the weather, uh, and kind of taking the fact that it's fall and really enjoy that, uh, take that all in. It tends to be that Sunday is my day to smoke on the porch anyway. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a pretty nice, uh, heavy bag workout, uh, while most people have the ritual of going to church on a Sunday morning in this valley that I live in, uh, I'm usually beating the snot out of a heavy bag for some reason. I don't know why it always tends to be on a Sunday that I use the heavy bag, but it is, and it's really entertaining, uh, cause the, I think the sound actually carries quite a way, uh, cause I actually hang the heavy bag from a tree branch. That way I can be outside and use the heavy bag instead of be in the basement and rock the whole house around. Uh, I don't know. Just get fresh air too. So anyway, yeah, I finished up with a nice brood and enjoyed smoking my pipe. Um, And it's pipe smoking season now because fall is around. I mean, it's never not pipe smoking season, but for me, I tend to smoke a lot during the fall. Anyway... Uh, thank you for listening to episode three if you enjoyed it please share with friends family whoever you think might enjoy this podcast uh, in the coming weeks I will most likely have my first guest spoiler alert but not, also not a spoiler because I'm not going to tell you who it is uh, but anyway thanks again for listening uh, share if you enjoy it and I hope to be broadcasting this to you guys next week see you then